Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. And welcome to How to Be Sound, where for this episode, I'm joined by none other than award-winning novelist and columnist Louise O'Neill, where we sat down to talk about feminism, writing, and why sometimes self-care just means going home for a while or for a long while. Before we get into it, though, I did want to say a few little words about Patreon. So I have mentioned a couple of times that I have a Patreon page set up for How To Be Sound. It's at patreon.com slash howtobesound. So essentially, if you're enjoying the content that I'm creating here and you want to contribute a little bit of money, Patreon allows you to do that. It's a kind of a form of Kickstarter and you can pledge $3.33, $6.66 or $9.99 per month to pay for essentially the content that you are right now consuming. You'll get little bonus bits. If you're a patron at the $6.66 level or more, you'll get an extra extra special mini-sode with every episode of How To Be Sound. And this time around, we have Louise O'Neill reading from her brand new novel, Almost Love, which is an extra special treat. Now you're making me really nervous to start. So, Louise, Uh, thank you so much for inviting us into your glorious hotel room. (laughs) Sorry, I know. I felt just slightly weird when I was asking you to come meet me in my hotel room. I was like, should I open the door in my bathroom? But no, sorry, too soon. Probably too soon for yeah, um, no, Harvey Weinstein jokes. <laughs> it is a bit too soon. I'm very disgusted I'm by sorry. how distasteful that was. I'm sorry. You're, you're staying in, is the Fitz, the Fitz William is five stars, isn't it? Yes. So yes, you're, yes, yes. you're living your best life now. Yeah, well, I actually love this hotel. Um, and um, my, our next door neighbours, who are like practically family, um, they're... Um, uh, the father Tom is the wealth manager um, for the guy who owns um, the hotel uh, so I've been staying here um, for years which I know makes me sound incredibly precious um, and I know how lucky I am but it is my favourite hotel in Dublin No but I'm actually really glad that you now have like an Irish connection because I have frequently seen you staying in the Fitzwilliam and been like who does she like the mad notions on this staying in the Fitzwilliam <laughs> no, hotel No 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 as I said it's just you know my next door neighbour uh, always kind of uh, and he likes it you know and I put it up on social media and he's delighted and you know so and as I said I've been staying here for years so and like do do you always get the same room are you the diva who's like I want my room oh god no I'll, ready I'll, my sweet are you are you kidding I'll take whatever room they, they'll give me you know I mean I once though we were up um with uh Tom and Ronnie and they were staying in the penthouse um and so we got uh to uh, stay there and that I, I feel like I sort of peaked at 21 um so that was like a really amazing experience so I always feel you know slightly mm. just slightly disappointed that I haven't quite reached you know the heights that I can do that by myself yes yes you know yeah that's Time. time, yeah. I was actually just going to say, I do think staying in a penthouse, or even I got a penthouse tour once of the Conrad. Like when I worked, when I used to work as a journalist, I'd go on the odd press trip. So you'd stay in really nice hotels, and you'd always get a really, really lovely room because they do give you the best room because they want you to say their hotel's amazing. So they <laughs> yes. give you the amazing room. But I remember getting the penthouse tour of the Conrad. Unless you're just being like, everything from here on in is going to be a disappointment. <laughs> I know, I know, yeah. it's terrible. And then when like Stephen and I went on holidays, we went on a package holiday a couple of years ago, stayed in like a really nice four-star four, four star hotel. And we got into our room, we were just like, is this it? Yeah. Because the two of us were so spoiled. Do you mean we're so used to these really, really nice rooms? It does, it does ruin it does. all other hotels for you. Okay, so... 
we're here, we're in the fifth, but this actually feels kind of surreal, like, we're here, we're in this five-star hotel, you're on your fourth book. That, that is out now, and the next book, Surface Breaks, is out in May. So it's Oh, a so you're really not surreal. giving yourself a lot of time. No, it's going to be a really full-on year, because, you know, the play of Asking For It is also premiering in June, um, and... Um, and is that coming to the Abbey Theatre? Yes. We're getting our plugs in really early, I like yes, this. Yes, oh yeah, <laughs> I, I'm just very well trained. Um, yeah, so that is uh, premiering in uh, the Everyman in Cork in June, and then coming to the Abbey in November, which is, I mean, obviously just like a dream come true, to be honest. Are you going to be doing a Saoirse Ronan on it and like sneaking in with your mom? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've already got tickets for about like 20 different performances <laughs> because all of my friends want to go and they're all sort of like separate little groups. So I feel like I'm going to at the end be sort of reciting the play as we go along. But um, yeah, I don't know what I sneak in. I might do. Um, and just sort of see what people's reaction is to it when they all wear a disguise, you know, a big hat and a funny pair of glasses. <laughs> have you seen it yet? I haven't seen it yet. They're in, um, they're casting at the moment. Um, so they've been sort of sending me photos um, of the actors, which is just really surreal um, because, you know, when people say, oh, I, I always had this person in mind. Um, is this, know, this is for the play? This is for the play. Yeah. 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 Um, so it, it is just very surreal because when, when people say, you know, did you ever have any actresses or anything of like that in mind? I don't tend to. I actually tend to I never I would never base a character on a real person um, but I would do sometimes like physically yeah, you know yeah, that I would yeah. see someone and I'd be like oh that actually that kind of look yeah. is sort of you know what I'm thinking of yeah. in my head um, so it's just been really uh, really strange I think seeing the photos of the actors that they're casting and being like oh okay so this is what Emma looks like to other people you know yeah, so yeah. it's um, but it's really I mean it's just it's it's incredibly exciting and do you think if it's really shit are you going to be like doing a, <laughs> like do you think you'll be doing a Jamie Dornan Rosary. do you think you'll be doing a Jamie Dornan and being really embarrassed or do you think you'll be good at like no, keeping your game no, face no 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 it really annoys me the way Jamie Dornan acts really embarrassed I mean you know and, and the way he seems so mortified by the fact that he has to do sex scenes I mean you were signing mm. up for Fifty Shades of Grey you knew what you were getting and also you just have to be professional like yeah. I know I know it's it's difficult um, if you don't think you know the finished product is any good I know that's difficult but I think you have a professional obligation to you don't have to gush or you don't have to like be really like but you have to be sound yeah and you have to just you know respect the fact that you know that the people have worked really hard on this um, and you know I've sort of given it to the production company to make of it you know what they will and the actors will make the rules and um, you know see look how good I am I'm so good you're very good already you're very good already (laughs) yeah so I'm preparing no it's going to be amazing but you know the way they're sending, so they're sending you the actors. Is that for approval or is it just to oh, keep no. you in the loop? No, no, no. It actually, which was funny because um, obviously, you know, they're in pre-production um, with uh, the movie of the first um, novel. And um, like I... That's only ever yours. Only it? ever yours, yeah. yeah. And they have, like, I'm I'm much more involved in that. Um, and I think it's because myself and the producer, um, we get on really, really well. Um, and so she's really sort of kept me with every step of the way, you know, with the script, with the director, with the, with the cast. Um, I, I've been incredibly involved um, but with the play you know it really was just handing it over um, and seeing what you know well I'll, I'll be just as surprised I haven't seen a script um, I haven't seen anything like yeah. that so I think I'll just be as just as surprised on opening night um, as uh, everyone else but which is kind of nice so it gets to be a new thing for you yeah, too yeah exactly and you know it's funny I, I 
people always ask about, you know, would you write a sequel to this or would you write another book? And, you know, um, I suppose in in a series, you know, carrying on from one of um, the original books that I've written. And I, I get bored so easily. Um, I just, once I'm finished with a project, like I'm really finished. Um, yeah. like I haven't reread any of the books. I mean, I would rather die. Um, and no, I really, really would. Um, how many times do you think, how many times do you think you've read them? Oh God. I mean, when you're editing, you just read and reread and mm. reread and reread. I, God, each book maybe sixty times. Oh Jesus! Yeah, so I—I I mean, I absolutely hate them by the end, and then you have to go into. Um, so I am quite good at that. Then you have to go in and like sell them. So there's at, no wonder you're not reading them again. At publicity, and you're like, oh, it's amazing, and secretly you're like, this is a terrible book. <laughs> and you're probably doing readings as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I have like you know, you always have sort of a section that you'll do um, yeah. for a reading. So I would be, um, I, sorry, I would be used to that, um, but it. Uh, yeah, you just, I don't know. I always, I'm always very suspicious of people who really love reading their own work or, you know, who think they're like, oh my, you know, the, the, think incredibly highly of their own work. I think there's a high crossover between people who love reading their own work and people who wake up in the morning and go, yeah, yeah, there you are. Like, hey, hey, good looking. You know, like positive affirmations, but they're not doing it to make, you know, to boost their self-esteem. They're doing it because they genuinely think that person in the mirror is incredible. Yeah, well, I mean, I do a lot of positive affirmations um, and I do a lot of sort of self-talk and, you know, trying to trying to sort of boost my self-esteem. But there's something I don't know I, 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 I as I said I'm just suspicious of people who don't find reading their own work an incredibly mm-hmm. cringeworthy um, and uh, excruciating experience so. have, have you read Meg Wolitzer's The Wife? Uh, yes I have so I'm kind of two thirds of the way through it and I think it's really interesting the way she presents him as as the writer being and, yeah. and I do think there's a kind of a gender bit because I wonder if there are more men who don't mind reading their own work because women are we're kind of conditioned to be a little bit yeah, embarrassed that's a, that's of a really ourselves interesting, up. Um, a really interesting book on yeah. I, I, the role of I think the artist and you know, the role of the artist's um, spouse particularly if, yeah. you're, uh, if you're their wife um, and I suppose the value that we place on uh, men's work um, over women's work um, yeah but yeah I don't know I mean I suppose, uh, I, you know, I don't really want to make that generalisation because I know like loads of male writers who would sort of roll their eyes at the idea of, you know, the great artiste. I do think it's a slightly um, outdated um, idea. Most writers that I know are pretty sound and just very yeah. normal. Do you know, um, like Lisa McInerney, who's just such an incredible writer, is just the most down to earth, like no bullshit um, person you'll ever meet. And I, I just, I, I personally, I prefer that because I think, yes, you know, I take my work really seriously um, and I take what I do seriously. But I think if you start taking yourself seriously, it's all over. It's just so tedious. Um, but you know, what's funny. I think that it, like social media and paparazzi and the constant news cycle has made it much more difficult for people to be dickheads. Mm. So like when you see something, have you seen Phantom Thread? No, I haven't. So the film that came out um, last month with, with Daniel Day-Lewis, which is his last, I really hope it's his last movie for his wife's sake because I feel like him being method just must be so <laughs> incredibly head-wrecking. But in it, he's this like uh, like incredible wanker of of an artist and I'm like, I don't think you would get away with that now because mm. people would be on social media going, oh my God, do you know who I just saw being rude to somebody in Tesco? Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. But like this kind of thing, there's too much scrutiny on everyone. Yeah, no, You just true. don't get away with it. You know, I always think that must be quite hard if you're famous because like sometimes you're just not in a great mood or sometimes, you know, you're, the service somewhere is terrible mm. and you have to, I mean, not, not be rude, but you have to sort of, you know, you want to say take something someone to yeah. ask or say, look, actually, this yeah. isn't acceptable. Um, but I feel like if you were famous, you'd, you'd have to just swallow that slightly and, you know, be like, oh, 
just keep smiling. Well, it must kind of happen to you because it happens to me sometimes when people approach me and if I'm not in a good mood or I'm not in a good like place for want of a less kind of American, I'm not in a good place right now. Yeah. And people will approach me and be like, oh my God, I follow you on social media or I do this. And I'm like, I really need to be nice to this person because it's really nice. You it know what I mean? It's really a really nice. nice moment. Yeah. But I'm also like, I'm not... I didn't necessarily sign up for this. No, I agree. And actually, um, I think it's always worse in Dublin or Cork, I think, because obviously, and which is partly the reason why I live um, in a small town is because everyone, if people recognise me, it's because, oh, that's Holly O'Neill's daughter, you know, that sort of way. So, and I actually found that really difficult um, you know, especially, I mean, I became, you don't become a writer to get recognised. Like, you know, that just doesn't, mm. that's not, that just doesn't happen. And so I think when that did start happening, um, when people, and you know, people would be really lovely, but, you know, sometimes you'd be, I'd be having lunch by myself and then someone would come up and they'd say, oh, you know, I've just been, sort of, I saw, you know, I've been sort of looking at you for the last half an hour and not sure if I should approach you or not. And I would just start, start feeling really self-conscious. Yeah. Um, and that's and a really weird weird idea too, that you're like, who else has been watching yeah, you for half an hour? No, no, absolutely. And I suppose actually, and I think a lot of it for me was tied into um, having had an eating disorder um, and sometimes not feeling very comfortable eating in front of people. Okay, So then yeah, someone yeah. is like, I've been watching you eat your sandwich for the last half an hour. I was like... Okay, that's fine. <laughs> I'm going to be fine about this. Um, so I think it was just the self-consciousness and the self, like, being very self-aware. Um, and for that moment, kind of sp- splitting out fr- from myself, if that makes sense, and seeing myself like from the way someone else sees yeah, me, yeah, yeah. Um, which I've struggled with and have been really careful. You know, I never read interviews with myself about, you know, or I never read features about me. Um, I never, you know, uh, look at Amazon reviews. I never look at, you know, boards or I never um, read it or whatever. I never Google myself. Um, I don't listen back to interviews because I did at the start. And it, it was this very odd experience of particularly sometimes with, um, let's say, if a feature has been written on you and you're reading someone's um when interpretation of you. of you yeah and yeah. it feels like you're eavesdropping and it's it, it never felt comfortable and I I think I've fought so hard to have a a very grounded sense of myself and that's something that isn't doesn't come naturally that's something mm. that I work on every single day you know um so then when that started happening and it was like it, it, it just it I, I knew that I had to sort of protect myself from that and that is a big part of why I um I live at home Okay. Yeah. Yes, that's that's so interesting because it is like because I am exactly the opposite. I read boards and read it all the time, and I wasn't me. I know, I, and, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but I'm like, I don't know how you sleep because I honestly, genuinely, I just, I mean, maybe you've got a thicker skin than I do because I don't think I, I don't know. Like I, I, I read it, and there, it kind of depends on the mood I'm in. Mm. So like, you know, it depends on the place I'm in. That it, like, if I'm in a in really good kind of good form or if I'm feeling very strong I can read it and be like well you know what this person clearly has an issue with me and is yeah. and is taking this out and, and saying it this way by criticising something that I've done and then other times I'll read it and I'll just be like oh my god I didn't realise but I'm actually an ass." you know like mm-hmm. I don't think I'm an asshole but I'm no, obviously an asshole no, no, do you no, know what I mean no 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 you're not and actually no 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 I mean I know but like you know on those days yeah that no I'm like, oh god that's I, true like what this person is saying about me is right no um, and actually just looking from the outside in you know when I when I see because obviously you know I know you and I've known you for about two or three years now at this stage and and um, you know I've always found you to be very forthright and very you Know, direct and very honest and I really like that I really like there's no bullshit like you know you kind of say it um, as it is and I really appreciate that 
um, just directness in people. Um, and I think it's it's so easy when I read, let's say, some of the comments that you maybe, you know, if you've um, taken a screenshot of a, a boards.e um, mm. thing, it's really easy for me on the outside to look at that and say, that's actually completely bullshit. Like these people are projecting all of their own insecurities and these very gendered ideas about what women are supposed to, you know, do and what women are supposed to behave mm. like. And, you know, it, it's so obvious to me that it's a projection of all of their own um, insecurities yeah. and their own shit. But I know that if, you know, will I be like, well, no, that's not true about Rosemary. That's definitely not true about Rosemary. But I know I would be like, but it's really, that's 100% it's true, true about, about me. me. Yeah, yeah. But it is, I mean, because like, like academically, I can look at it and go, oh, this means this about this person. Mm. But then when it's about yourself. Yeah. And, and I kind of, I do go through phases. So like, not I go through phases. I go through phases where I try, try really hard not to. So I'll take three or four weeks and I won't read any forums and I won't read anything like about anybody. Mm. And then I'll suddenly get... I'll suddenly get a Google alert or I'll get something and I'll be like, oh God. And then I'll kind of get like sucked down the wormhole. But I was going to say that like, you kind of touched on it there, but like you didn't really, like you didn't go into writing to become Mm. the voice of feminism in Ireland. I mean, it's, I mean, that always makes me laugh because it's like, I'm like, as if I'm the only feminist in the village. Like there's, there's quite a few people that are doing Trojan work here. I'm just sort of, you know, uh, trucking along. Um, And like, how do you feel about the fact that you because because it is we like it is unusual for a writer mm. to be writing especially fiction. Do you know what I mean to be writing novels and to be so at the forefront of that? Yeah. Do you know what I mean for it to be you and for you your name and your face to be recognised? <sighs> yeah. No. I I and I agree with you. Um. I think I've always believed that if you had a voice, that you should do something. Um. You should do something with it. Um. And I think you know growing up. My dad, in particular, had a, a very, um, a very strong sense of justice and a very strong sense of that. If you saw um, that something was happening and that it didn't, you didn't feel that that was right, that you should speak up. Um, and I feel like I didn't do that as a teenager, um, and I regretted it. Um, and I think then the more that I really started to come into my own um, as you know, as a woman, um, and just really, I suppose, try and be honest and be authentic and be myself using my voice and being honest about how I felt about, you know, political issues, just, it just became so automatic. Yeah, um, it was the obvious. It, yeah, it really yeah. was. And I I think, I suppose what I find interesting is that I don't, I don't actually think I'm that, I don't think I'm that, out, like, you know, I, I know that I'm outspoken, I know that I'm opinionated, but I always think I'm actually quite measured. Um, so when you get this reaction that, you know, you're this radical um, kind of um, anarchist uh, feminist yeah. um, who is, you know, I don't know, that your opinions are just so completely ridiculous and off the wall and that you... you I actually, I still, to this day, will get really surprised by the vitriol that will come after someone's read an article. because I'm That you like, think is very neutral. So yeah. measured and that I've really, um, that I, but you know, again, what was that article that you wrote? Um, was it about kids and social media? No, because I think it was. One, that's the one I always think about, like, that I wrote this piece about how, you know, maybe we should not. And it wasn't that we should never put our kids in social media, but that we should think about overexposing them. Yeah. For yeah. two reasons. It was like, you know, for their own safety, but also for their own sense of privacy, that when they get older, they're going to have this huge footprint yeah, that they haven't no, signed up for. I know. And the reaction was, like, I felt so extreme to something that I was going, like, A, was not an original thought. Know. You know what I mean? That I was no. like, I've read this article 10 million times. It's I just know. that it's in my voice this time. And people were like, this is so, like, anti-mother. You're really putting mothers down. This is so... And, like, we're really, really upset and really angry about I it. Know. 
And I was so shocked. I know. And because I, 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 I do remember reading that article and I did think it was very measured. But then you see the thing is, is that I'm not a mother. And I see with I see with friends of mine who have children, the pressure that they're under. Mm. Um, and it, it, it just feels exhausting. And I think the problem is, is that there's so much pressure on women to be perfect in general yeah. and that really spills over into um, when they become into mothers. motherhood yeah um, and I think there's such a sense of responsibility because you have this human being and you're trying to I suppose you know make sure that they survive and that they're okay yeah. and that they're happy and healthy so I think sometimes I can see with friends of mine that if someone is doing something completely different to them it, it can feel like almost as if like a judgment like a judgment yeah. on their own decisions yeah. and I think you're so afraid that you're making a mistake um, and you're just doing your best that I, I, I do think that's where the defensiveness comes from it comes from a, a sense of I think just fear and just hoping yeah. that you know that you're not fucking up your child and like well, in, in in all things I think it does yeah no 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 I agree I agree. I just think it's it's such a hard job like I feel like cause, you know I've, I've been in therapy since I was 17 and um, I will sometimes come home and say things to my parents you know just just talking and, and I mean I have, I'm really close with my parents um, and you know I'll I'll discuss something and I'll say oh you know you know when this happened when I was seven and my mom's like oh god she's like I'm sorry I was probably just not having a bad day and it's just so easy I think to I don't know say or do the wrong thing I, I just think parents in general are I don't know it just I couldn't do it so I sort yeah. of have a lot of respect but it is kind of nuts isn't it when when you get older and you realize that your parents are just adults the way we are right now I know and raising tiny children and like doing their best I know mine were so young as well like they were 21 getting married 22 having my sister was it 24 oh God, maybe yeah. having me so they you know they were super young yeah, so it's and like because I have similar conversations in therapy and I remember in the early days I would talk to my parents about it and like we are very close as well but my parents wouldn't be they wouldn't be into therapy or they wouldn't be very um, kind of analytical in terms of mental health and stuff. And when I talked to them a couple of times about it, I remember my sister calling me and being like, you need to go easy on mom and dad because it's not their fault. Mm. And I was like, oh my God, like I didn't think I was going, well, I found out today that you did this to me, but I was more kind of going, you know what we were talking about today, but they were taking it, I think, a little bit personally. I know. And the thing is, is that it, it isn't about, um, it isn't about blaming. Like, I mean, no. that's the whole point of therapy is that there is no blame because we're all doing the best that we can. And I, yeah. I also have made mistakes and have done things that, you know, I regret. Um, and, you know, you just try and make amends and kind of keep going and that's you know as yeah. I said I've been as I said I've been in therapy since I was 17 <laughs> yes <laughs> you, the therapy speak comes out quite so a lot so you have a lot of thoughts uh, yes I have a you lot, have a lot of, of feelings I do I do and I feel them I, I feel them all Rosemary <laughs> do you ever regret um I guess kind of becoming a public voice or becoming a public figure. I know you said that like you you do believe that we should speak out when we have a platform, but have there been any moments where you've been like, Oh, Fuck. absolutely, absolutely. And I had to take a huge step back. Um, I think 2016 was such, I mean, no, I, I, okay. When I first started uh, the book, um, Only Ever Yours came out in 2014. Um, and I was taught, you know, I was talking quite a lot, obviously about eating disorders um, and uh, body image because that was very much directly um, mm. related to the book. Um, and then when Asking For It came out, I was talking a lot about, obviously, about sexual violence um, and my own experiences of that. Um, and, you know, it, it's a, it was a really it was a really strange experience because I had made the decision to be very open and honest about these things, because I, you know, I think it's really important that we destigmatize de um, these issues because there is such a lot of, I think, latent shame um, attached to it, which is just completely you know it's just completely incorrect because there should be there shouldn't be any shame um, mm. attached to mental health issues or issues around sexual or domestic violence um, and 
But, you know, you're talking about it um, in an interview situation. Um, it's not really a safe space. Um, you know, it's someone who wants to get the story. And, you know, they I mean, most people were very respectful. But sometimes, you know, I, I would leave a lot of interviews feeling completely empty. Like there's just this gnawing hollowness um, inside me. And I was trying to sort of fill it up you know and I wasn't sure how to do that and I just I, I, I was really struggling like by 2016 by the end of that I was completely burnt out um, and I felt really anxious um, I was you know struggling to eat um, I'd lost a lot of weight um, I I just I, I couldn't I, I really genuinely couldn't cope um, and I think I had to take and I suppose as well you know the, the added pressure of um, the you know online trolling and you know and uh, abuse and sort of abusive messages that way um and trying to be very strong and trying to say well you know I'm not going to be bullied and I'm not going to be you know pushed off social media and then realizing at the end of 2016 that I felt very close to sort of not not like a breakdown but just really I I just Mm. I really Mm. was at the end of my tether yeah um so I took 2017 I took a step back um I you know I I turned down every sort of media um request that came my way um I you know I continued reading my column but I I took a lot more breaks off social media um and I really I mean I went full on with recovery like you know I had I suppose you know I I, you know now I have um I go to a specialized um, therapist every week I go to a nutritionist every week I have online coaching every week I do yoga four times a week um, I run five times a week, you know, that I really, you yeah, know, I go yeah. for a massage every week. I get acupuncture every, yeah. like every month, you know, I just went full on into it. Um, and I, I mean, I'm definitely the healthiest I've ever been. Um, and I But think, it takes work. Oh my God, yeah. so much work. And I think the thing is, is that it really made me realise, firstly, that I was lucky that I had the time to do mm. it. And secondly, I was so lucky to have the financial resources. Yeah. Because I would never have had, I mean, you know, and obviously... You know, I'm not, like I come from a middle class background. I'm not sort of saying, oh, you know, poor me or anything like that. You know, I've always been very lucky that way. But that I that if for once, I you know, I was like, well, I can I can spend money mm. on this, and it just really made me examine. I think our two tier um, health service, particularly around mental health issues, and that I suppose I was I had access to an entire sort of support system um, that created this network that really just meant. That I, you know, that I, that as I said, I, I'm the healthiest now that I than I've been since I was probably 14. Mm. Um, and yeah, but it did. It, you know, I think it's been interesting coming into this year um, and knowing that there's going to be a lot of um, publicity and a lot of promotion, a lot of getting my photo taken, a lot of you know trying to find uh, clothes to wear, and a lot of you know. I think after a year of the only way that I thought about my body was how fast can I run. Um, and how many words can I write a day? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, getting back into it, well, what does my body look like? Um- a lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have to get 30, 30, to get 30, bet you get 20, 20, 20, bet you get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Um, and, you know, trying to, I suppose, do that part of my job, but not let it get in the way that it has done um, mm. previously. Um, so just I think just being really, really mindful and just, you know, which is again, which is, as I keep saying, is why I like to go home. You know, in between, I just go home, I don't wear any makeup. I, you know, just it feels like a kind of a little cocoon where I can just shut out the rest of the world and, and just go back to being the real me rather yeah. than sort of the public persona of Louise O'Neill author. I often think Irish people are kind of lucky in that respect that even if and when we get like famous and I don't mean me and I don't even necessarily mean you but even oh, you know no. kind of someone like Colin Farrell where you're kind of internationally oh, yeah. famous that you can still come home and go to the pub oh, exactly. and people or might say hi or hosier you know like, like yeah. just like normal can leave normal lives here yeah and it is really nice and yeah. that we have like small towns and villages where people are too scarlet basically yeah. to come up and go oh my god I love you you know what I mean yeah. it doesn't happen <laughs> yeah. or like I was just looking at um, uh, Busy Phillips on Instagram and she was in Target and she was like oh my god there's the, there's a guy in Target being chased around by pre-teens she was like I can't figure out who he is I think he must be a YouTube star and she asked the cashier and the cashier was like yeah he's a YouTube star and I was like that, I just don't think that would happen here no no, even no, with no. kids yeah no 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 I agree I agree, which is great. Yeah, I think it is a, really nice. I don't know. I think as well, people, it's it's sort of like, I wouldn't give them the satisfaction that much as well. Do you know, if they yeah, saw yeah, someone yeah. famous, you know, God, I wouldn't, I, I, you wouldn't want them to get any notions about themselves. Yeah, or, the notions. Yeah. And actually, it's funny. I, I think someone like, interestingly, I think Irish people love an Irish star. So I think someone like a Miriam O'Callaghan would actually find it more difficult to go around her everyday life um, or a Ray Darcy than someone like Saoirse Ronan which is funny do you know I suppose maybe they're actually oh, more yeah. instantly recognisable because they're on Irish TVs like but all I the also time. think when you're on Irish TV and you're on daytime you feel accessible people think that they're yes. that you're their mate yes. you know what I mean that yeah, they're like yeah, I've yeah. seen you on my telly yeah. and I Therefore get to come I up and say you. hi and also I'm paying yeah. your uh, wages <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that seems to be a big thing with people who work for RTE oh, or yeah. yeah yeah that is a hard thing we'll be right back after this break Meet Your Maker is a podcast about the people who make the things we love, hosted by me, Liam Garrity. In season one, we met composers, anime voice actors, writers on Sesame Street, uh, a geeky priest who restores harmoniums in Cavan. It was nuts. In season two, we are upping the ante. I leapt up from the chair. My hair was dripping dye. And I said, I have to make a phone call. I used to write letters to, you know, say comedians like Janine Groffalo. And they'd write back really nice letters, like saying, like, you're so mature for a 15-year-old. And in my head, I kind of be like, yeah, like, I could be friends with Janine Groffalo. One of his friends, this older guy, he shakes my hand and I get up to shake his hand. And then he grabs my hand and pulls me in super close. In my ear, he's like, if you give him any drugs, I'll f- If you want to know what that's all about, Meet Your Maker is out now, wherever you get your podcasts, or see meetyourmaker.ie. That's meetyourmaker.ie. 
you did mention there, this is a good segue. You did mention there being kind of lucky enough to be able to afford therapy and even yoga. Yoga classes are, are well, actually yeah. probably better in Cork than they are here, but they're so expensive. Yeah, no, they, no, they are expensive. I, I suppose the thing is I don't drink. Um, I haven't, um, I actually haven't had anything to drink since um, last April. Um, and, you know, so I suppose there's certain ways that I, I you know, that I, I, I don't spend maybe money that other people mm-hmm. would spend um, on things like that. I think it is just... And this probably sounds a bit dismissive as in it was just about your priorities. Um, and, you know, no, I, but I think, that's, to- yeah, I think yeah. that's totally fine. Yeah, I think yeah. that, you know, if other people are like, actually, the way I blow off steam is going to the pub on a Friday night with some mm. friends. Um, and I'm like, yeah, perfect. But that just wouldn't yeah. be for me. Do you but know? also, you know what? Like, I eat out a lot. And like, like people have kind of asked me either on social media and also my boyfriend's always having a go at me and being like, oh, you're always eating out. But like, I don't <laughs> drink. And I do always use as an... Yeah, like as a as a retort that I'm like, well, you spend hundred quid on Friday. Yeah, yeah, do you know exactly. What I mean? And if I eat, I like lunch five times a week. That's a hundred quid. Yeah. Oh, I do, do love you know your Instagram mean? though, Rosemary. I'm always like, oh god, that looks amazing. Yeah, but you can make anything look amazing, really. I mean, most of the things I do put on Instagram, I don't I actually generally don't lie about food, but it is it is easy to make food look good. Is this? Yeah. I think, yeah. I, I, sorry, I don't think I've ever actually put a, um, a photo of anything that I've eaten up on Instagram. So Because oh every time gosh. I've tried, it always so cool. <laughs> no, it's not that. I'm always just like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. You just need to go and get some good pancake stacks. You need to look for the Instagram <laughs> cliches. Okay, okay, I'll try. I'll try today now. I did put up a picture of some scallops the other day and I was a bit surprised because it, it did really, like Instagram is so unpredictable to me that I'm like, this is a beautiful photograph, it's going to do so well and then it gets like 20 likes. Yeah. And the scallops got about 450 and they looked <laughs> shit. Like, it was just two no, tiny scallops did look, on a plate. No, they did look very tasty actually. Well, scallops are delicious. Yeah, they are. Um, but no, listen, sorry, back to the money. Yeah. What I was going to say was, are you a millionaire yet? <laughs> Rosemary, you can't ask me that. I totally can <laughs> Um, I am very lucky um, and I feel very fortunate um, for how things are going it's an odd thing being an artist Um, it's an odd thing because you know I've had like two really good years um, and um, look how would I put this I was at university, I did my postgraduate, I did my undergraduate, I moved to New York, um, I was interning there, then I came home with 50 euro in my bank account um, and I started, oh yeah, I was, I think I've ever come back from America with anything in my <laughs> bank account, it's amazing. Um, and I, uh, yeah, and then I was, I took a year out to start writing. So I wasn't earning that year. Um, and then I got my book deal and it was 15,000 um, for two books. Um, so, uh, you know, seven and a half thousand um, per uh, book. euro yeah. for like a year's work. Um, and then it took a couple of years before things started. So, I, you know, I really yeah. didn't start earning properly until the last two years. So I had a, like two very good years. Yeah. But, you know, it's absolutely impossible to tell, you know, because... What's going to happen in the yeah, next Yeah, and then years, I was like, well, yeah. I should really buy a house. And, you know, then you're going and talking to banks and they're like, well, how much do you earn a year? And you're like, I, I, I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah. You know, it's really, it's so hard um, to predict. Yeah, um, it's, it's um, so funny because I remember talking to a friend of mine, Jean Sutton, about this. And we were talking about that. I was saying that I wanted to write I a book. Jean. Oh, no, she's great. Yeah, but we were talking about how great she is on Instagram as well. My friend was like, she should be like an influencer because she's so gassed. Like, yes. She's really funny and really smart. She is hilarious. But we were talking about writing and I was like, I just want to write my book and like give up work. And she was like, you know, nobody makes money from books. Mm. And I was like, no, they do because Cecilia Hearn. And she was like, no. She's like, Cecilia Hearn has ruined it for everyone. <laughs> because like Cecilia Hearn was the one that everyone's like, oh, six figures for this or whatever. And yeah. she's like, but that's just so rare. It is very that rare. That anybody makes kind of big money. And that kind of 15,000 euro example for the first oh, two well, books yes, is, that is, is, um, is a really good concrete it, example. But you know what? I will say that um, my problem with that is that 
I think we're we're and I, I agree with Jean. I think that you know for most people and most author, most authors do have to have a second job, you know. And I do feel very privileged um, that I can make you know um, a very comfortable living um, just um, you know writing my books. But I also think that it's it's a mistake to go into it and say no writers make any money. Because there are writers yeah. who make money. And, you know, maybe they're not making Cecilia or Marion Keys type money, you know. But yeah. that they might be earning, you know, like a good, like a good wage that they can live off um, every year. Um, and it is getting, you know, it is getting trickier because I think um, people, I think, tend to want their art for free um, these days. You know, whether that's mm. music or whether it's TV or whether it's books, you know, um, and illegally streaming it or downloading it. Um, and, you know, look... I'm not going to say oh, I'm perfect and I've never, you know, streamed um, a television show. Mm. Um, but I suppose there is a part of me that's like, you know, we really do need to value art and value yeah. the work that, you know, because I know myself when I'm when I'm writing, like it's bad. You know, it is. It's I mean, not backbreaking work. I'm not down on mine, but like, you know, it's not it's not the easiest, it's not easy, you know, no. that kind yeah, of way. Yeah. And I'm very lucky and I love it. Um, but, you know, it's also you're, you know, it's not you know it's not the easiest job in the world or anything. Well, you're working. Yeah, you are. You yeah. are exactly. I'm working, work. and you you know people deserve to get paid um, for yeah. what they make. But I think it's a mistake to sort of frighten people off and say, "Well, no one makes any money." Because the thing is, people do make money. And yeah. my attitude has always been for everything. Well, why shouldn't it be me? Like you know, mm. it's like, well, why shouldn't I be successful? The or one, why yeah. shouldn't you know? Because it it has to happen to someone. Yeah. So I think it's just while I think it's it, you know. I suppose no one really goes into creating art of any kind. You know, hopefully the reason why you go into it is because you love it and, you know, you you have that urge to create, that urge to write, yeah. that, art, that urge to paint. But I also think it's about putting value on yourself, on your work, on your time and mm. um, expecting that you should be... Um, that you should be paid um, and that yeah. you should, you know, that... And I think it's, it's about trying to balance the two of those because I think sometimes people sort of you know assume with artists that oh should you do it for free or you know and I'm like well actually I I love it and I I would I, I would feel very um I, I know myself that I would feel incredibly unsettled and sort of off balance if I wasn't able to write. If you couldn't do if it. If I couldn't yeah. do it. But that doesn't mean you want to do it for free. Oh, no, absolutely not. Yeah. Because, you know, it's my job and everyone what's, deserves to get paid. What's the most outlandish thing you've ever been asked to do for free? Do you want to think about it and I'll give you mine? Yes, do it. Because yeah. I got an email last week from a PR company working with American Airlines, right? And they said, we're doing a video for our in-flight entertainment and, it w- and oh it's going to be a two-day shoot oh and we're going to be going around North Dublin and we really want you to be the face of it and to show us around North Dublin and, you know, the, the, the I think it was like the North Inner City, which is, which is where I live and where you like to eat and where you like to go out and maybe theatres and stuff. And I was like, oh my God, great, that sounds brilliant. And I really wanted to do it because I'm now working kind of pretty much full time as a personal trainer. And like yeah. I'm I'm making kind of. Uh, well, I'm making a small living from that. You know, I'm, I'm just kind of getting started. And so I was going, I really want to do this because I could do it the extra money, but also because it kind of sounds fun. Yeah. And I was kind of going in flight American Airlines. Not that many people would see that. So like I wouldn't have to be scarlet about like yeah. here I love like this farmer's market that I've never been to before. <laughs> um, so I got back and I said, OK, I'll do it for I think I said two and a half grand because I was going I would do it probably for 1500, but I'm going to say two and a half and they can and they can bargain me down. Yeah. And she got back and she said, I'm afraid as we don't have the support of the tourist board, we can only offer you 200 euro for the two days. Two, are you, are you ah, Rosemary? Yeah. And I was like, no, no, you don't need the support of the tourist board because you have the support of an airline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I just that said, is a, that is a very good point. No. Like it's, 
it, 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 you know what I will say though um, at the start you know I would have done um, I would have done a few events here and there or um, spoken of things um, for free but actually it was my sister interesting, interestingly enough who is a primary school teacher um, told me very early on like I mean I, I'm talking only every yours might have been out a couple of months she was like you can't be doing things for free yeah. um, and I said why and she said well if I was if someone asked me to come in um, and speak to a class or if I was asked you know to do something she said I would expect to be paid. Yeah. She said if we were having someone in here to speak at school, you know, um, she said I, I would presume they would be getting paid. Um, and she said you have to push. She said, she said you don't even have to ask for that much, you know. Yeah. She said, but just make sure that you know if you're in for an hour that you're getting I don't know even a hundred euros. She said, yeah. Even you, you're putting even value just, on your yes, time. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So very early on. Um, I would have said, and as I said, it was never, you know, it wouldn't always, you know, as I said, it could have just been a hundred euro, then, yeah. but it was just to ensure that I think that as I, that I was valuing myself um, and also that the person who was asking for my time was, um, was valuing my expertise um, such as it is. Um, and um, the fact that, and, you know, it's not that easy. It's not that easy to go in and speak. You know, no. I'm not, I'm not trained in like, I, you know, to go in to speak to a classroom of students or, um, and I do find it's funny, you know, you give so much and you expend so much energy and you really, they, um, you know, they, they ask so many questions and they really, you know, and mm. they, you really, you just give so much um, that you can walk away feeling absolutely exhausted. Yeah. Um, and I think it just would feel even worse if I was like, oh God, I just did that for free. Yeah. I know that sounds, maybe that sounds slightly mercenary, um, but I think I am, I'm just a very, I am quite practical um, in mm. a lot of ways. And I think that's been useful in my career is that I am, which is funny, people always get very surprised at this um, because it's obviously not the um, attitude that I'm projecting. Um, an ex-boyfriend was like, I had talked about negotiating um, a, a deal um, and sort of getting three times as much as what they had um, originally offered. And he was like, really? You? <laughs> I was so I offended. I should start forwarding you my American Airlines emails. Uh, yes, exactly. Like, Louise, deal with this for me. I, I, I think um, I, I always ask for more. Um, I um, which I think is quite rare um, with women because I'm always a bit like as you said they can always you know they'll negotiate it down mm, or they might mm. but you know you may as well start sort of at the top and see what they have um, they have to offer yeah. so I've always had that sort of part of my brain as well um, which I think has been has been useful because Sometimes I think particularly women um, and then if you're um, an artist as well, it can be hard to talk. People don't really want to talk about money. About money. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It can be really awkward. Mm. Yeah. Like, oh, we have to talk about money now. Yeah. To talk about the money thing. But I'm a shark and I'm like, give me more. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, there is a whole kind of psychology, isn't there, behind that if you do something for free, people value you. As if you're free. Do you know yeah. what I mean? As in, no, 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 absolutely. Yeah. No, the I same agree. way that if somebody gives me, like, like if somebody gives you a free t-shirt, it's valued differently than the t-shirt you spend 20 yes, quid on. Absolutely. Like naturally. 100%. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's just the way it is. But no, like what is the biggest, what's the worst things people have to do for free? I'm trying free? to think. I don't I think there's anything. I, I don't think Names, there's a, I, I, <laughs> I don't, I, I honestly, I don't think there has been um, anything... I, I don't think so. I, you know, I, I really don't. Um, and, you know, generally, I suppose it's, you know, it's been book festivals or it's been um, things like that. And sometimes I will do it. You know, there's um, yeah. a, a friend of mine um, runs a great festival um, for young adult um, fiction here in Dublin. And it's always so much fun. Um, and there's a free bar afterwards, um, which <laughs> I don't, as I said, now I'm not really drinking. So that mightn't be as as uh, great. A, um, but, you know, everyone's in really good form. But that's the vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, like yeah. um, lots of um, authors come in from the UK um, and um, just to have 
have the crack. Um, so it's always like such a laugh. So I will happily do that for free. Um, but you know, other things. Um, I, I think as well. You know, I write a column. Um, and I know how much and it, it's been an interesting sort of shift because I know how much I get paid for my column and I know let's say how, how long that takes mm. um, to write so you so have a benchmark on yeah, your time yeah I do um, and I suppose as well I'm like you know I write that in my in my writing room you know in my mm-hmm. house in Clonakilty I don't have to get dressed or yeah. you know get my hair and my makeup done or you know yeah. anything like that which I do get done for events and that's an extra expense mm-hmm. and you know things like that um, and which is, I mean, we we'll, we could get into that. I mean, even that is such a. Oh, I was talking to a friend of mine. Sorry, I'm going off the topic slightly, but I was talking to a friend of mine um, who is also an author, um, hugely successful, um, and um, we were chatting about sort of really terrible photos that had been taken of us um, at the start of our career, and she said it's just, it's it, she said there's no one that sort of tells you you know what, you should probably get your, your hair and makeup, makeup done, done yeah. before you're getting a photo done. Like, I mean, I did it myself, you know, the yeah. state of some of those early photos. And the thing is, is that whenever you say that, particularly um, uh, particularly to men, there is this sort of element of, well, you're an author and the book is what matters and, you know, you're being really shallow. But actually, as a female author, you know, you know that it's particularly mm. when you're younger. Um, like, cause I, when I started, I was like 20, 28, 29. Um, and, you know, they want they want the nice photo of you yeah. um, to kind of put, you know, in the paper. And it's, it's it's not a part of the job that I like or that I enjoy. Um, even though I do like, I love getting I love getting my hair, and my makeup done. But it's actually the photo. Then I'm like, oh shit, I have to get this photo taken. Yeah, yeah. So as soon as he picks up the camera, I'm like, oh no. Um, but um, I, I think there's a. Uh, it, it it is it's it 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 kind of cuts both ways because sometimes it's like well maybe you're more likely to get um, media attention if you are let's say a young woman but then there's more pressure on you yeah. to sort of and, look a certain way and there's more way. criticism if you don't yeah exactly look a and there way, is yeah. more criticism that well absolutely we've mm-hmm. talked about that you know like um it, it's it's that thing of um you know I've never. I, I suppose I've been, you know, lucky enough, but it's always that fear when you go on television that there's going to be a comment like you ugly bitch or you fat yeah. bitch or you, you know, you, you whatever, know what that's, you know? that's why I stopped doing, I used to do um, the fashion police thing on expose where we'd basically talk and I used to try to be very specific about people's outfits or their hair and makeup but not you know not about their bodies and not about their faces yeah. and not about their personality just be like you know what I don't like what you're doing here and I, I don't think this really works and that kind of thing but every single time I would do it I would get at least five comments yeah. about how fat or ugly yeah. or just like stay to her like yeah. who does she think and basically um, I did get a fee for it but it was a really small fee and I then got back to them and I went from now on I'm charging X amount yeah and I think know, I did it no you agree you're like 200 euro and then you're like F- okay so that's um you know, per yeah, for, uh, per like I don't know five uh, insults. You're like, <laughs> how much should I get paid? No, it was for, it was it was never two hundred euro. I think it was fifty oh, in the beginning, oh, right. and then I was like, so so that's like, like a ten or an insult, and I was like, it's not worth it. <laughs> yeah. So that's basically, and it was and it was kind of a pity because I was like, I hate the idea that I will, you know, that I feel like I was kind of maybe like bullied off mm. that screen, and like I did really enjoy doing it, but yeah. then I really hated that afterwards. I know, I was like that's just miserable. And see, the thing is, is that you have to sort of weigh it up, and it's like, well, okay, I don't want to be bullied off. I don't want other um, younger women to sort of look at what's happening to me and feel scared or feel intimidated or feel like that they would never go on television or you know speak at a panel or you know speak at an mm. event because they're afraid of getting you know um, criticism of their physical appearance which as a woman when you've been socially conditioned to believe that like your inherent value is completely tied up in how you look yeah. it's very it's not that easy just to sort of dismiss 
um, that kind of criticism as like meaningless, you know. Mm. Um, so there's that part of me that's like, no, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to um, let them win. And then there was the other part of me that was like, actually, but I feel like really anxious and yeah. Uh, you know, unwell and upset, and actually, maybe it's better if I just prioritize um my mental health. Yourself, it's, it's, yeah. It's a really tricky, and then you feel guilty. Then I feel guilty for not doing it. You know, though, um, there's a bit in Roxanne Gay's book Hunger where she's mm. talking about being a fat activist and being body positive, and she says basically that she really kind of tries to be body positive and you know kind of is a fat activist, but she was like, I actually don't like being this fat. Yeah, and she was like because whether it's right or wrong, this is the world I'm living in and I have to move around in this world Yeah, and I can't find clothes and I feel like I'm discriminated know, against. She was like, so I would like to lose weight. Oh my God, it was, it was such a difficult read. Yeah. It, was, it was so, I think it was really worth it. I really felt grateful for grateful to her in that moment because I felt like it was kind of going, okay, she's right. Mm. Like sometimes you're like, like the big, the bigger fight would be to keep doing this and to stand up and to be, be yeah. seen. But then it's it's costing the me toll, too much. The toll that it takes personally yeah. is. But, you know, I see that with people who are, you know, involved in the repeal movement. And I see it with, um, you know, other activists. And it takes its toll, um, you mm. know, particularly people who are sharing um, their personal stories and are yeah. being vilified um, on social media. Um, and, you know, I mean, I think Tara Flynn is just is a friend and I adore her and I think the work that she does is so important I think she's going to be remembered you know I think mm. that history will remember the work that she's done but I suppose as her friend I I, I, it, I just feel devastated when I see um, mm-hmm. this sort of commentary that yeah. you know that she receives and I just want to sort of wrap her up in cotton wool yeah. and just take care of her um, and yeah. I think it's and kind the, of take her away from it yeah, yeah and I think it's that you know the political is the personal um, and it's just very difficult I think to which is why, as I said, I'm just so I, I just have so much respect for people you know who are, who are working in the abortion rights campaign mm. and the the because uh, even having had like a little taste of it and feeling like I had to pull away from my own um you know mental health and well being, I'm so grateful to them um for continuing to do that work um because you know they're doing it for all of us yeah um, and. And it's so important. And yeah, it's so yeah, and I feel I feel very you know just very grateful and very lucky that we have people who will keep fighting the fight. Yeah, no, it's so important. We've come to the end of our time in the Fitzwilliam Hotel, but before we go, who's in your movie? Can you tell us yet who's <laughs> in your can't. movie? I'm so sorry. The well, we have the director and we have like a few of the main roles cast. Um, and um, I, I until people sign the dotted line, I, I just really can't want to know. I'm going to have to reread it because actually only ever yours. Not necessarily that it's my favourite. Well, I've only read two of your books because nobody sent me a preview copy. Oh, of the I'm new surprised. One. I'm devastated. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> well, but I'll it? just have to buy it like everyone else, <laughs> which I actually have no problem with because if I paid twelve twelve fifty to watch Step Up High Water on YouTube, I can pay, pay for your book. <laughs> what is that? Oh my God. You, you know the Step Up, the like hip hop dance films? Oh yeah. So they have like a TV series on YouTube. Oh my God. And the first right. four episodes are free and then you pay two fifty per episode. And it's <laughs> worth it because I was like, I'll pay for your work. You're incredible dancers. No, the no, production no. Values I, are great. no. Absolutely. Um, I, I, but I absolutely love that trash. Like Step Up, Coyote ugly I oh I love Coyote ugly though I, I I wonder how well that would hold up I don't think you should watch it again because I loved it and then I I came home and I was like I really want to get a job in a bar and like like dance on it like those sexy <laughs> girls and then as I got older I was like maybe that's problematic yeah <laughs> but everything from the 90s is problematic yeah but what I was going to say was that I loved only ever yours and I think like when I heard that your your book had been optioned, I remember thinking, I actually hope it's only ever yours because I, I love asking for it as well, but it's 
I don't know, I would find that more difficult. Mm. Like, I'd, I'd be excited to go and see Only Ever Yours in a cinema, whereas asking for it, I think I'd be kind of going in going, oh, I better bring the, b- the bottle of water some tissues. I you know, know, I know, I know. I mean, I'm interested to see what the play, um, because I mm. presume, you know, obviously the the rape isn't on screen, so I, I mm. you know, that's obviously going to be the same, I presume, in the play. Um, but I'm, I'm wondering, will it be a, will it be one of those ones that we're all going to Will it be out? tough? wear the waterproof mascara I'm sure it will because like a lot of the difficult scenes so asking for it for anybody who hasn't read it idiots you should but um, it's about uh, a woman in a small town in Ireland a girl who who in school is subjected subjected to like rape and sexual assault at a party and then afterwards it's kind of about the aftermath and what happens to her and what happens to her friends yeah. but some of the most moving scenes in that to me like in the book were with her family were yeah. at home as they were yeah. all grappling with how to yeah. talk to her about it and how to deal with it. I know. Um, whereas Only Ever Yours, not that it's necessarily a fun story, but it is more fun because it's kind of dystopian. No, and I know, and I, I can't and wait to see that. Like, I can't wait to see sort of how they've created the world and what. Because to be honest, I just thought of my own common school and then which is the only thing that I sort of I mean I've a very, obviously a, a complete lack of imagination because when I was creating this dystopian universe I was like sure it'll be Sacred Heart and kind of guilty <laughs> it'll be grand <laughs> well you know school for a teenage girl is a dystopia so yeah whereas whereas I have a vision of it being very futuristic and very clean and oh, white yeah. and plasticised everything yeah um, but That's I am probably really excited more what to they're see gonna that. do I think <laughs> But I wonder who, because I kind of, I'm thinking I'm about, not going like, to tell you. No, 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 I know. But like, like thinking out loud that I, I actually am not very, I'm not very in touch with the teenagers in Hollywood these days. So yeah. I'll need to go and do oh, some research. I think, see, the, the Abigail Breslin's is, too old now. Um, with, the, with the teenagers Ancient. going to be um, uh, relatively, um, you know, uh, not unknowns, but sort of, you know, not like super famous. New. But it, it's the, new, new yeah. yes, but it's the, it's the older actors, you know, like for the chastities and for the father. So they want those. God, I haven't even thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we have to wrap this up, Rosemary. Okay, okay. <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time to talk no, to us thank on how you to be sound. Me. And where can people find you if you want them to? Oh God, well, I, I'm, I'm so d- tempted at the moment just to throw my phone into the sea, um, go down to Alahees or somewhere on the Barra Peninsula and get a cottage there that has no Wi-Fi and no phone reception. Um, so, but yeah, if you want to find me, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, but you know. Don't find me. Just go out and buy my books. <laughs> yeah, that will just, be just buy the yeah, books. All my love is in stores now, um, and I'm really proud of it. And I think it's going to cause um, a bit of conversation. So I think, which is always sort of the aim with my work. Yeah. Okay. Brill. Thanks buy so it. much. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to How To Be Sound with Louise O'Neill. I have been and am Rosemary McCabe. You can find out more about me on rosemarymccabe.com with an A in my Mac or at rosemarymccabe, M-A-C-C-A-B-E on pretty much all forms of social media. A big thanks has to go to my producer, Liam Garrity. His own podcast, Meet Your Maker, is available now. It's on season two and it is truly excellent and worth listening to. And of course, we would be nowhere without my patrons. I'd like to say a big thanks to Siobhan O'Rourke, Kira Norton and Paul Jeremiah Hayes for supporting How To Be Sound with their cash dollar. See you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.